Welcome to Caribbean Millennials. Welcome to episode 76 of the Caribbean Millennials podcast. What, what? We did not die. I know we've been missing for a couple, like, it's like one week we were gone. I feel like one week we're missing. I don't even know. But guys, we're two years old. Oh my Ooh. God. Congratulations. Woo-hoo. Break out the alcohol. So, um, <laughs> I mean, the light juice. The right? The, the, the aged grape juice. The <laughs> grape, grape juice. The grape juice, yeah. All right. So, how's everyone been? How's your. Well, are we? Is it the week? Is it two Let's weeks? So, yeah, I have a story for you. Okay, story okay for let's go. Story Last time. week, your boy decided he going into work because I had my one-on-one with my boss. Now, I could have done my one-on-one from home, but I was like, nah, I about that, you know, I want to look my boss in his eye, you know, have my one-on-one, you know, you know, and say, so, ballsy, went to work, hated every minute of it, I was like, why did I leave my house for this? I could be taking a nap right now, still being productive at home, fine, that's whatever, one-on-one went great, perfect, awesome. Your boy killing it, you know? They want to pay me more money. I tell them, hold off for hey. a while. Company go in, you know, because I might want some, you know, a bigger side. But that's a later discussion, right? Okay. <laughs> so, I'm at home this week. I think maybe like Tuesday or Monday. One of those days, right? And an email comes in on my phone. Open the email. Somebody in the office had Corona. Oh, my God. The week I was in the office... Someone uh, had corona. No. That's what I get oh, for trying to be a good employee and want to look my boss in his eye to do my one-on-one. I yeah. almost put myself to corona. So, hey, you hey, know, for so, a second there, I thought you were going to say, and your boss was the one with corona. Like, I thought that's where it was going. <laughs> well, like, joke, if he was the one with corona, game over. I killed him. Eh? Well, head a joke. What happened to your boss on Friday? So, here is, here is. so after the email comes in, he's talking to us on Teams. And for some reason, he making jokes about the whole corona thing. And I do like it because I take this thing very seriously. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, you know, it's not as serious as everyone making it to seem. Plus, it's only killing old people, da da da, whatever, whatever. He's like, honestly, I wish I would just get it so I can get the antibodies. Mm-hmm. So, your boy over here, I'm like, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> you wish you just get it. Huh, interesting. And my mom, I'm like, you see, that's why I don't want to go back there because I don't know what y'all doing. I don't know how y'all dragging your ass. Okay, so that's about the yeah, Monday, Tuesday. Yesterday, he's like, guys, I'm going to log off early. I don't feel too well. The first thing I type in the team shot, coronavirus. He put a Cardi B gif in the... Oh I don't get why people are not taking this corona thing more serious. No, they're not. No, they are not. And we've seen the numbers like spiking, like Florida, like everything round two. Florida, four thousand cases in a day. Florida, Florida, what y'all doing, man? Well, I mean, Florida is a different beast, though. (laughs) I mean, Florida's just like always crazy in everything, like vibes up, corona. That's what happens when you have so many Florida men in one. Florida, Florida is a whole. (laughs) That's another planet down there. (laughs) 
Florida like probably broke up from some like extraterrestrial planet and landed and attached itself to the US. I have a feeling when the Spanish sold Florida to the US, they they put some, yeah, they put some juju on it. They just like <laughs> <laughs> they were happy to get rid of Florida dog. Yeah, we'll enjoy it, man. Yeah, we'll but enjoy don't it. Have a listen to like Donkey of the Day like, on the Breakfast Club. Donkey of the day on the breakfast yeah, yeah. Main. Oh. So every single, I think like 90% of the stories come from Florida. Yep. <laughs> like, no, seriously, it's always the craziest things. And the other 10% comes from the Bronx. But Florida takes it all. I suspect they are something in the water now. <laughs> Maybe. Not sure. All yet. the waters. All the waters. The Everglades. Yeah. So that was my week. Anushka. No, I want to hear how a tiny week was, you know? I live with you. I know how your week was. <laughs> right, see, wow. maybe I, I know what you're doing. I can tell them what you did and what you've been doing. Okay. Unless you tell them, but I want to hear what a daddy's been doing. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I still love you, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What you do is very important mm-hmm, to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very important. Oh, hi, guys. No, week wasn't that... Lovely, you know, until Friday, and then you Yo, know, was it, lovely. No, it wasn't. Wasn't lovely. Nice. It wasn't sunshines and rainbows. It rained a lot. Oh wow! Yeah, but then you're Friday came in a along. Drought. You're in a drought. You need that rain, though. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We need the rain. We just don't need the flooding. But we Wait, need the rain. Are you in Saint Lucia right now? Yes. Are you in Saint Lucia right now? Yes. Because <laughs> I was like, wait. Drought, rain. I'm like, that's exactly what I'm experiencing. So <laughs> oh my god, you're my neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> he got stuck. Yeah. <laughs> yep, I have been here, and I am here for this COVID journey <laughs> through the island. <laughs> oh, wow. But um, yeah, the the week was kind of you know funky, you know. But then towards the end, it got really good. Got my stuff delivered from the US and then got um, some new clients. So, got a whole construction company. Yeah, so your boy out here making moves. So, yep. And then today I just kind of cleaned my work area, listened to some music, just relaxed. Yeah, just, you know, find my center. Find my get to align your chakras. Yes, played with some puppies. You know, no. just all is lovely it, stuff. Is that funny that when you said making moves, I just thought of you um, dancing too? I don't dance now. I make money moves. <laughs> <laughs> I just threw a SIM card at the like She deserves more. She deserves more. <laughs> don't ask where the SIM card came from. Doesn't nice. matter. Um, well, even if Vernon doesn't care about my week. I never said I didn't care about your week. <laughs> Poor job. I, I live with you and I see what you do on a regular side. So I know what your week is like. Um, my parents are here. Oh, I feel so loved. Oh, that's nice. Mom is taking, um, I'm like, I'm like kind of convincing her to take care of the cooking in secret. So I'm like, Mom, help me with this. And then she just does everything. Yeah, I want you to know I have no part in that. I, if I have to I will cook, okay. Right, have you have you have you taken the opportunity to just look your parents in the eye and tell them under my <laughs> under my roof, my room. <laughs> there, there, there was something there was something she was doing and I said, 
um, oh, the, um, she was coming from the bathroom and, and left the light on. I was like, hello, hello. In this house, we do not keep the lights on. Oh, no. <laughs> Yo, oh my goodness. That's why you buy a house so you can tell people these things, you know? Man, if my, my mother operates differently, she put me out of another house. Like, I'm serious. I, I waited. <laughs> I waited you know, for mine to come for me to see. I, I, I've been practicing, you know. I practice on the radio. I even practice when I go to say to my future children. Like, I sit at the table. I say, if you can't want your little friends. <laughs> no, I bet like, you I'm, back in that day when your parents were telling you that you was not appreciating that. But now, right? what are you doing? Yeah. So, so you know, sometimes I'm like, no, really, not in that tone. That, that's a little too soft. I feel a little yeah. more... A f- you know, a little more rough. Yeah, yeah, but it's been it's been cool having them around. Um, I even have um, my dad has been doing little gardening jobs and whatever around oh. the house and stuff like that. So it's kind of cool um having them here. Um, we went to like the pool later on this early on. We went this to the week. pool. I couldn't go. I was at work. You know, someone has to stay home and work. Shots <laughs> <laughs> you know? fired. I'm living my best life. I'm not like other people poolside at two o'clock on a Thursday. Hey, you know, someone's got to do it. You know, right. <laughs> All right. So for those of you listening to this beautiful extra voice that we have on here, we are blessed with the presence of the phenomenal St. Lucian powerhouse, Keithlyn Carew. Say hey to the people, Keithlyn. Hi. Hey, everyone. How has um, your week been uh, given, you know, did you see it as raining on your parade or showers of blessings? Well, well, actually, showers of blessings. Um, this week was a little busy because we launched like a virtual um, academy for rural women. And we're sort of doing like a, because of COVID, we, we normally do like a six month workshop for rural women in, interested in agriculture and we do it in person. So the last six months, we did it from March to September. We did it in Castries in the north of the island. And the entire idea was to do it in the south come June. But with COVID, we did it online. So last Wednesday was the official launch of it. And it went well, thankfully. I mean, there were a few hiccups here and there. But thankfully, like, it, it went better than expected. Awesome, awesome. That's 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 good to hear. Yeah, so let me back up um for the listeners and just give a better introduction <laughs> to right? So kind of wet into you know, In your truth. whole um stuff. But um Keithlyn is our friend from secondary school. Um yes, but our homie. Yeah. But um you know, since we've gone off and you know become adults, gone into the world. Um, Keithan has always been somebody that I've kind of looked up to as one of our peers. You know, you have those friends that are just kind of grinding it out and um, working for the United Nations, you know, starting non-profits, um, just doing the damn thing. That is Keithlyn Carew, guys. I'm also starting a non-profit. Maybe I can find this. We're being like too nice, honestly, because Anushka, Vin, and Adani, you all have been people that I've looked up to as well. 
there's always a thing that they say like show me your friends and i'll tell you who you are so it's good to have you know certain people around you and it's like inspiring i mean i don't have to say it. look at the podcast and your own individual careers so mm-hmm. i think you're you're being too nice to me but you definitely well i'm, to I'm still gonna me. shower you with blessings babe <laughs> um but caitlin is the founder of a non-profit called helen's daughters she's saint lucian like us and it's a it's an initiative she started how many years ago now caitlin um coming on three and a half years now right so um helen's daughters which focuses on agriculture and um women and is a non-profit so okay. she's um she's combining agriculture technology women's development in all a non-profit kind of sphere while carrying on a full-time career so Keeflin, you want to dive in for the listeners and tell us a little bit more about helen's daughters like exactly what is it and how did you kind of get the idea and get started on it um okay so let's see in a nutshell helen's daughters is more about i would say the economic empowerment of rural women um it started off because i come from a rural area i'm not sure if you are familiar with Fuaso babono so if you have been there you'll know it's rural <laughs> and <laughs> and um i guess Always like coming from a community like Faso, when I went to like Anushka mentioned secondary school, it felt like two different worlds. Like I would go home and feel like, okay, I'm in one place. And then when I would go to convent, it would be like, especially going to the houses of my other friends would be like, okay, this is a whole new world. This is different. Um, and I guess when I left St. Lucia and so on and joined the UN, I always like i guess most un staffers it's always like i want to change the world i want to do something good but for me it was i really wanted to focus on saint lucia and saint lucia's development and when i would come back and forth i just noticed that the community that i grew up in when i was younger it was thriving especially with the agricultural sector still prominent but then when i noticed when you line the years up and you see like the focus turn from agriculture to tourism, you sort of saw communities like Fuaso and other rural communities sort of like degrade in a way. You'd see high incidences of like teenage pregnancy, like drug abuse, um, just a bunch violence, like a bunch of things that never usually happened when I was growing up. And then when you start like historically tracking things down you just notice that okay there might be like something to the shift from agriculture to tourism and um, less opportunities available in the rural areas and not to mention when you look at the stats and so on you just see that a number of households like 60 percent of households especially in rural areas are headed by women and some a lot of those women are in like you know the agricultural field so it was sort of my way of trying to to find a solution to getting women especially women farmers more access to like larger markets and like training them for it and so on and um yeah i'll just stop there yeah i, I- <laughs> 
that's awesome because I think for you growing up in Foasso, you you saw it, right? It was right there in front of you. But for many of us, our families come from these agricultural backgrounds and moved away from that, right? Mm-hmm. So, huh? Minus mine. Vernon says minus his because his father still held on. You know, he's still yeah. trying to hold on to. Hold it on. Strong. <laughs> I, I think but like for me one of the one of the things I've been doing um you know I, I've taken as a project that I you know picked up again in these last few weeks as my parents have been is my um, family tree and ancestry mm-hmm. and when I look at my both my mom's side and dad's side of the family had um agricultural background right so mm-hmm. my um grandfather on my father's side was a overseer on a sugar plantation right so he was able to like move up, move up and it was more like industrial but when i look at my mom's side of the family my mother's mom was from Moshi, a completely rural completely rural community that was mm-hmm. comprised of um women sharing this farmland that was shares um yeah. you know who was married who wasn't married and they all had to come together community wise to raise children feed children do the agriculture um making coals all of these kinds of um things and a lot of them not even highly educated maybe they just you know some of them you know made it through to standard six if they were lucky but a lot of them you know agriculture was how they you know managed their families Mm -hmm. and then on my um grandfather's side he's from roblo in chozel and um you know he his grandfather had the farming land and whatnot and the same thing that you were describing in fossil has happened in roblo right Mm -hmm. it used to be these huge communities um around agriculture and then as the younger generations kind of came through um they 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 weren't in agriculture right and they you you saw lots of people just sitting by the road nothing really to do and then it then it came that the place just became kind of like a, a desert land you know like nothing's really going on there is you know the old people that were there and had land died and you know, things just kind of, the people who, um, you know, left Roblo and moved to Castries and started their lives doing other things. Mm -hmm. And I feel like not only in St. Lucia, maybe a lot of these other islands as well, there was such of that shift, maybe with tourism, maybe not that the younger generation did not want to do agriculture, right? Oh, that's hard work. Oh, that's slave people, you know, that's slave thing. I want to break my back you know, doing <laughs> agriculture. But that was the foundation of a lot of our families, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like now we're kind of in a shift where the younger generation is saying, we've put too much into tourism. We need to focus on agriculture. No wonder but, why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, <you> know, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, couldn't help myself. <laughs> No, 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 no. But you, but I feel like you kind of came in and did the Helen sort of thing between that shift in rhetoric, right? Where you probably grew up and people say, "Oh, agriculture not making sense. Why I want to go into that?" You know, X, Y, Z. And now we're seeing people coming up saying, "Oh, the future of the Caribbean is in agriculture. We need to be able to figure out." Huh? 
I said girlfriend, honestly, like it's it's a, it's really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Friend, I haven't even been talking to you this that is, much, but I know. Listen, I feel your pain. Trust me. Coming from a child of some of a father who's an agronomist who yes. tried to tell people about diversification. diversification and, you know, just taking this whole farming thing seriously. And it's like what you were saying was falling on deaf ears. Yeah. No one listened. And then I see the state we're in now. And probably so, now he's in like hiding, man. I was like, I had to mention, I have a lot of respect. no but i no trust me i know his pain but now it's like i mean it's a lot of things number one our food import bill is insane yep 360 million Um, and in fact not only senator caricom on a whole is like close to like five billion what is that yeah like things like 4.8 or something like that right now um, I mean, then also it's like uh, the, the 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 diseases that come with the imported foods, mm-hmm. like it's at an all time high. I mean, even like right now, it's sort of hit home close because Anushka, as you know, I just lost an aunt, and mm-hmm. it was technically the the root cause was high cholesterol mm-hmm. and you know her eating habits and so on, and. Um, it's just like it's just frustrating because you see the policymakers, the politicians, and everyone talking about agriculture, agriculture, blah blah blah. We need to buy local and whatever else. But then when you really like work with the people on the ground, these people like they're really truly struggling. And there's like farmers that they continue to do it even in their old age just because of the pride of wanting people to eat better and to be aware of what they're eating and to contribute to people. But when you look at what they're actually making, it's like, I would have given up a long time ago. You know what I mean? Because they have no support at all. Even though a lot of people like to tout that there's like grants and initiatives and this and that and so on. But it's like, just look at how they treat like our vendors and well, the the state that our vendors Very true. in for a long time. I mean, it's just, it's just really a sad situation. Yeah. Um, so thinking about agriculture and even combining agriculture and the nonprofit sector as, as you have, right? Can you dive into what have been some of your challenges kind of getting Helen's daughters uh, from, you know, straddling those bo- both of those sectors? And um, yeah, so let's go with that, like challenges or what you've had to overcome. Well, you're not already in St. Lucia doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to take time. <laughs> like, I mean, just for example, just getting the the organization accredited getting even a bank account like that'll mm. take like a year um and also i think because i deal with women and i deal with women in agriculture for the grants and funds that come to st lucia it's like as if the two together don't make sense it's either <laughs> it's women it's sexual violence it's um you know domestic abuse those types of things if it's agriculture it's okay we're going to um, focus on these types of root crops and blah blah blah, and the export market and you know what i mean but like the two together 
Right. It's like a brain freeze immediately when you tell them about like women in agriculture. Although this year, pre-COVID and during is like been a boom. All of a sudden now people are like, oh my God, women are the most marginalized. We need to get this agricultural sector strength. Mm. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Corona so, has certainly shed, shed the light on a lot of travesties. Listen, I mean, Corona, I mean, I, I'm... I'm not happy about the situation, but in a way, like in the work that I'm doing, it was like, no offense, but the best thing that happened. Because no, all but... of a sudden, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, go ahead, go ahead, yeah. No, 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 like, as I was just saying, all of a sudden, like one, everyone is staying indoors. Two, <laughs> their eyes are glued to like social media and stuff like that. And now it's like, okay, on top of well, BLM going on and Corona, people are sort of getting, uh, wanting to get a little more socially conscious from what I can see. It's not as much the shade room and so on that people are paying attention to. Um, So like all of a sudden, there's just like an uptick of of interest in the field. And then for St. Lucia too, I mean, we, we put a lot of our eggs in one basket particularly like St. Lucia, it's really def- devastating to see the amount of people that have... Well, our yeah. <laughs> not in one, all in that one basket. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've seen some, I won't mention the agencies, but I've seen some agencies that have created, what they did was they had um like job placements for young people, right? And yeah. what they did, they prepped them to enter the tourism industry. And it was like 300 and some change, young people. They went through a program and everything. Three months later, all of these these kids are like redundant. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's wow. That's the, the politically correct term. Yeah, that's for redundancy. <laughs> yes, yeah. <no? laughs> to be political. What coconut? I don't think this is the hotel, but what these hotels are doing, like I understand it's necessary, but like, I mean, if this doesn't send a wake up call to, you know, our leaders and our citizens, like what will? Yeah. Well, Danny, that's what I was going to say. Um, I don't even blame the hotels. No. The hotels are business. Businesses have to make money. Mm-hmm. I don't expect them to give a charity and do things for free. I blame our government and our people. I don't, and that's just we, we make the bed. Now we mm-hmm. have to lay in it. Yeah. Often oftentimes, right, on social media I see like people drawing these extreme sides of the spectrum. Like you know, like if we don't do tourism, then oh, we're just going to do bananas for the rest of our life. Like like that's what people are saying, right? Yeah. But I'm like, how can we not find a situation in the middle where we have tourism right but it's not our sole industry and then you have these hotels buying bananas and stuff from our local farmers like they should be doing i will take a flight to st lucia i will go up kazaba and i will go and come back multiple reports for y'all that will tell y'all the alternatives to just bananas well and here's the thing right agriculture is so much more than just bananas right mm-hmm. and it's it's also so but much more than just missy, you know it's not that it's, it's not that uh, let me let me let me let me draw the picture for you paint it for you uh, 
how we put up first we did the same thing with bananas put all our eggs in the banana basket and it didn't work out it didn't work out when people like chiquita and them could have do it at a larger scale cheaper okay it couldn't it didn't work when we would when people were telling us to go the gmo route that way our bananas can withstand the different diseases and grow in whatever climate we want and whatnot so we can sell on a bigger scale it's not working now that we go fair trade because now we fair trade and england the uk don't really want to buy from us because by the time the bananas make it over there they ripe they rot in the boxes plus we have a lot of people with all these diseases coming on the bananas and it's just not making the cut yeah it it didn't work so then we turn over to tourism and we did the same thing put yeah. all our eggs in that yeah. basket and so, the same thing again so i want to hear a little bit more about the people and i mean keithan has carved out you know by focusing on rural women yeah this niche and i don't feel my my gut is telling me they're not all banana farmers right they should not so, all be banana so farmers. Evelyn, can you can definitely you not yeah, uh, Kevin, can you give a profile of what some of the women in your, you know, program or whatever do? And I guess also break down some of the initiatives that mm-hmm. you're kind of helping to do yeah. to support them. Like, are you helping them with diversification, mm-hmm. you know, stuff and, and all of that? And I guess, how do they vary from scale to like, you know, small time local farmers? Do, mm-hmm. are you, do you have a female farmers who are a massive amount of land um, and they grew on a large scale yeah you know like preparing for export and that kind of thing okay so about 98 percent of the women they um grow mostly cash crops like only a few grow bananas but it's just like maybe for the household none of the women like focus solely on bananas so you'll find most of them like in lettuce tomatoes kale um herbs mm-hmm. and then like pineapples you know those types of crops and so on and um you find it's like a group of 150 women so far and you we have women who there's one particular she's a full-time teacher but now she's like as an um secondary income she does it or like backyard gardening on a small scale. And even then she can earn up to an extra like $1,500 a month um, from what yeah. she's doing, which is just like in her, you know, in the back of her yard and so on. And then we have like larger, large scale women who have been doing this for a while. And what they're trying to really go into is more like the agro-processing. Like one woman, okay. she does like local wines but she was pretty successful in terms of like she's she's been a like selling to Massey for maybe a good over five years and so on. Like she really? has a business set, nice. but it's really like now she's looking at because I mean agriculture is one thing, like the raw product is one thing, but definitely if you could get an agro processed good, like a good one, look at Barron's pepper sauce, for example. Right. Mm-hmm. Then winning, um, that's just a whole nother ball game. So so a few of them are going into that. And then we have the in-between. We have like some of the women who were traditional market vendors. And now we've sort of been able to ploy them away from that and been able to get them contracts maybe with Massey or, or, well, before a few of the hotels and and restaurants. Um, So instead of like hauling 
you know the traditional thing of going there at three in the morning waiting all day selling having to barter with people and so yeah. on now you can actually get a contract and then you can actually instead of a lot of times with farmers especially women farmers they don't document things they don't especially finance so in the moment when they want to try and uh, for example, go to a bank and get a loan, or in one case of one of my farmers trying to prove that she was actually a farmer at the U.S. Embassy to get a visa. Wow. She technically didn't have that, and that's one thing that you know limits them a lot is that a lot of them don't have that financial footprint because it's just all cash. Yeah. So, I, I, or in some instances, for a few of our women, they put everything under the husband's name. So, like, the uh... husband started like you know she married him and they were like doing it together and then traditionally she just thinks oh you go get certified and we just you know we're working together as a team and in two cases um two other women lost their husbands unexpectedly and one woman like basically she had to start from scratch because she technically couldn't wow. prove that for 20 odd years she was actually farming you know, with alongside her husband and so on. And it's just really sad because, you know, at, I guess at that time you think, okay, you know, this person might be there and I'll be secure and things will be okay. And then you, life throws you curveballs all the time. And as women, I just always say that, you know, you just have to be secure. Just like men, you just have to sort of have your business or whatever you have in check because God forbid something happens and you have to start all over. But yeah, that's that's the profile of a few of the women. Yeah, this yeah. is this I, is really close to something I'm actually working on. So that's interesting. Yeah. I think yeah. um one of the things you also hear about, especially using cash crops, right? Mm -hmm. Is that one of the problems we've heard at least from Gunan's father is going into some cash crops. And even bananas, right? One of the things a lot of the farmers are subject to in, in this day and age is a lot of theft. Mm -hmm. uh, is that um, a huge problem that your farmers have to deal with? Or what, what are maybe some other things they experience like that? Um, for my farmers, luckily, like they've experienced pretty a lot here and there, but not so much i think um they've got this smartened up like some of them they have workers so they would have like a shift system um some of them like the the farm is like in their back backyard not too far away um what i have seen is that during covid like during the lockdown remember that the first two weeks there was definitely like some farmers who lost a few crops because they couldn't go anywhere and well the thieves decided yeah. they could <laughs> Um, <laughs> but in general uh not too much i wouldn't say like they've it seems like they've got it down packed where like they will go um at certain times and then other times maybe they have like uh, male workers and so on so like they go do and so on but i mean in in agriculture that's just something that you sort of have to expect at, okay. I mean, once it's not on a large scale, you know what I mean? Because there's definitely, I've heard of stories where some people have just been wiped out. You know what I mean? But thankfully for some of the women, no. 
they haven't dealt with that. And again, so you know, rural communities, I, I don't know about you, but like in Fuasa, okay, if somebody go on, let's say my grandfather land and then he go and pick coconuts, for some reason, somebody like, let's say we say, okay, there's coconut missing or something. <laughs> Uh, the village crowd, whoever like is the most talkative, <laughs> will say, "Oh, Sam, your vole, whatever, whatever. You know, they steal Rufus coconuts and blah blah blah. So, <laughs> coconuts being sold, as is <laughs> like. I, I, I love that you use that term, the village crier, because that's the perfect. Yeah, <laughs> similar, similar for Denry. <laughs> oh yeah, oh boy, Denry. So, um, always that person that know. Mm-hmm. So here's my question. Um, I know Saint Lucia is having a little drought and mm-hmm. whatnot. Yeah. How have your farmers, the people you work in, how have they been okay. handling yeah. or coping with that? Because I know, like, mm-hmm. what like my father, my father crying right now because he's saying, "Boy, his farming estate." I know he must have been happy with the rain that came down last mm-hmm. week. But... <laughs> Luckily for some of the women, like especially the ones who just took the course, we had like a um someone who was touting, you know, like water conservation and so on and investing in like water tanks and stuff like that. Yeah. And then God, thankfully, like there was this SLDB, they had some water tank program like where you could yes. do it on financing. So yeah. a few of them right before COVID and the drought took up like about 10 of them like got into that whole financing program and got water tanks and then a lot of them have invested and are using that and then there's a few that they actually have like um sort of like water coming direct from a river source like so they run some pipes to their farm so now with the the drought like obviously the river is probably dry and so on but i haven't heard too many issues Okay, like, okay. But with the rain and so on, it's still like difficult because even with the water and stuff like that, you could just see like the ground, the soil has been super dry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but it hasn't been, I mean, it's been weird because with COVID, at first it was like we did this whole home delivery, like fresh direct model, and it was going okay. good. And then the zoning came in. So, which like messed up everything because it started showing you that like places like, for example, for say Jacques in Soufre, that's like St. Lucia's bread basket in terms of produce. Yeah, like it's so the land there. I mean, maybe because it's volcanic soil or something, but the land there is so, yeah, so fertile. And there's a lot of vendors coming from there. So that messed up a lot of things but then you started seeing like the desperation in people because Massey was only buying a certain amount of produce so in a way it worked to the advantage of the farmers because then they were like selling they were able to sell and you know at a little more than usual and stuff but um but like the zoning and all of that and the curfew and yeah it, it sort of put things at a halt but now it's it's more it's opened up so it's more flexible yeah someone was telling me that farmers benefited for a certain period mm-hmm. because fruits that they had ordered in when the lockdown came out they had like mm-hmm. a ton of wastage from stuff that they had ordered in strawberries and yeah. all kinds of exotic stuff they had brought in mm-hmm. and like they really had to fall back sadly on um not sadly that they had to, but sadly that they weren't doing it before yeah. on local produce more. 
Yeah. I mean, even like, for example, a lot of the large scale farmers, and that's not even like only in Helen's daughters, but outside I saw like, I know this one person who sells to, um, I think lettuce to like KFC. Immediately you saw him doing like lettuce delivery and stuff like that. And because they have this huge amount, like imagine you selling 200 pounds of lettuce one one day and then all of a sudden they can't take in that lettuce so who are you going to sell it to so a lot of farmers were left with like a ton of produce on their hands and sort of like looking for markets but thankfully i think to the panic buying in a way it did help because people just started going crazy like the first month of covid in saint lucia i i remember we couldn't set up shop like in castries or whatever because of the i can't know why but people are literally coming to my house in faso wherever they come in from just to buy produce like from the women and so on so wow. it definitely it it's so how are you doing it keithlin you were kind of pulling it all and doing like a basket with a variety of things or no actually what we were doing is that we would have like a produce list i've seen okay. like um a, some other models where they do like the like a produce. Kind of. right um but first no we were doing our produces because it was based on what our farmers had okay. you know what i mean yeah and did you do you did you do just a website or an app you did some kind of technology like ordering did you not we did a website we did a website and it's called Green Gold and then people were ordering through there, but you know how Saint Lucians are well in the Caribbean. So it was like uh only like five percent were using like the card option, but a lot of them were Yeah, like cash upon arrival, which is fine. Um, but then it like proved a concept which was I was happy about, but at the same time it's like the whole e-agriculture thing is like difficult working with farmers because especially in a time like that because we've produced to like when we sold out all our female farmers produce then it's like okay they're going back to planting and doing this and then it's like all right so when are you harvesting and doing it and then you realize that okay you need to have like some idea like a harvest projection um tool or something you know, supply like, chain management exactly yeah uh, supply chain management and an agricultural supply chain management is well you already know it's even more difficult because then it's like each produce is different like cucumbers is six weeks pineapples mm-hmm. is whatever you know what i mean so yep. um that definitely takes more time to build out and to analyze and stuff like that but still at least it proved like the concept and it proved that solutions were willing to go out there and get fresh produce and stuff like that. So, Kiflin, we know you're, you know, employed full-time with the UN, right? But this is, you know, a passion project for you and obviously something that takes a lot of time, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Now that you're in St. Lucia, obviously you can um, dedicate more physical time on the ground to it. But I guess back when you will you know here in the states and to now like what is your kind of day-to-day interaction and work on helen's daughters look like right so how much like what's your team size and um how 
how um how many like what's the touch touch point level with you and the farmers and you know that kind of thing in terms of dependency on you or is it just registering for the programs and communications of like what you're offering and that kind of thing so if i didn't have a team well i would not survive i think i would be um, a nutcase um especially when we like started like the six six month training program i have like a team of eight people and um it's like gender balanced there's um three four guys on there who have in some way like their mothers their aunties whatever like are involved in agriculture so it's like you know they are connected and they they get the whole idea of it and then there's um for the women so when i'm away they're literally like juggling the day-to-day of connecting with the women contacting them like if we sort of have like a little well not a little but we have um a project coordinator um that that's the only paid person that we have technically with us right now and she is like sort of our support system so we try to provide like linkages and support for example if there's like some type of financial package for farmers like um the sldb thing for example Mm -hmm. or um if there's a special insurance or if simple things like even writing a proposal letter to Massey or even helping them like right now the social stabilization program you know they're offering like $500 to farmers and stuff like that some of them are not necessarily like digitally literate so helping them with the forms and processing it and so on so thankfully like there's people here who can do that but definitely as I've been home it's like they're like, all right, okay, you're home. So here you go. You can, t- <laughs> you can take on a bit more of this, which is fine because I mean I've really been trying my best, like, to see how I can get home so that I, because I really like. I think with Helen's orders, one of the things that we like is that it's sort of like a family in a way. I don't think women farmers have or rural women have really gotten a sense of like a support network like you should even like see like we did a graduation um for the program at the british high commission green jacket by the way yes girlfriend yes (laughs) (laughs) but i think even that was such a nice touch because it's even like there's so much power in a jacket Mm -hmm. you know especially like as a business professional woman and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. these rural women farmers, if that's the primary thing they do, how often do they get to dress up in a jacket or maybe yep. the perception of them, right? Mm-hmm. That's, you know, let's, that's the let's, main thing. And let's say even if they, if it's a, if you're thinking a farmer is going to meet with Marcy, you know, or whatever, some people may not think the farmers come in in their suits and and seriously it's like even i remember the first time when i did like a needs assessment exercise we did like a little workshop and Mm -hmm. some and some other women were like when they go to the banks um like the way they get treated like one woman was like you know, every time she goes to a certain bank or whatever the way that um people treat her and stuff like that that even to the point, and this was one of the women that she had done like a little hydroponics 
system was actually like making good money oh, nice. in the market and whatever. And they wouldn't even give her a chance just off of like, you know, looks and stuff like that. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. that's also what we fighting against is like, in a way to say, to make yeah. fun sexy. Pre- prejudice, yeah. And the prejudice that goes with it, because like, that's the image that people have. And number one, like, I mean, I, to be a good human being, you shouldn't be looking down on anybody. Well, um, by the way, just my, just just my marketing mind. You just said make farming sexy. I just thought of a whole like calendar photo shoot sex- campaign. <laughs> yeah. sexy women um, farmers each month for right? different produce: yeah, pineapple, purple. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know why we have this this like we look down on farmers and, like, and that's, like that's where we came from that's where we so started so many of us came from it yeah no, and that's the crazy thing like i remember like that when i went to school i wouldn't say names and stuff but there's people that like, you know <laughs> they go their families come from agricultural families and stuff like that and i remember when they found out where i was from and so on it was like oh okay she's from there like oh okay i'm not really sure if that's who i want you to hang out with like based on where you're from and that's another thing in st lucia you know already like even though 80 percent of st lucia is rural but there's like a stigma attached to there always has been eh? like even just the speech of of telling somebody oh they from the country and whatever, whatever. but Mister Diane making sense too because at one point farmers had more had the most money farmers had yeah. more money had rich when but I saw that at some point we started promoting um, more huh go ahead Adani I was saying at some point right the society became more about how you look which is yeah. what you what you do so you can literally walk into a bank with heels a, a short skirt and a dress suit and you can get all doors opened. And you can be not, like a, a farmer making four times that person and you'll get nothing open to Which happens. And that's why, like, Anushka, I'm happy, like, you notice the whole jacket thing because I was telling the women, like, one of the things that we're trying to do is sort of, like, um, reformulate their minds towards just saying, oh, I'm a market yeah. I'm a farm. I'm like, no, agricultural entrepreneur. Okay, yes. when you go, like when you go, this is what you yeah. do. Like even though it's like they, why should they have to do that? But at the same time, I'm like, this is an unfair world that we we live in. So what we're going to do, we're going to use it against them, and it's sort of like training them, like how to go into meetings, how to go into even financial institutions or wherever they go in. The way you dress, the way you you know present yourself, and. A lot of women, like like you had said, Anushka, probably some women never felt like recognized and whatever. And that was a huge thing. Like, there's one woman in the group, and she's like seventy something, but she's done well in farming. And this lady was like, I've never been to like a ceremony. And then having like the British High Commissioner talk to her, you know, get her picture taken, and then we have our little like her story campaigns, like profiling each farmer. This lady was like. If I die today, I want to get buried in that jacket. And I was like, oh my God. God. <laughs> like, you don't even know like what that did for me. I was like, okay, if you ever thinking like give up, just just think of that and just keep going. But mm, it's just it's sad because y'all are so right. Like we were built off of agriculture and all of a sudden it's like now we want to spit on the same thing 
that brought us to where we are that was able to allow us to build houses and buy all these nice cars we yeah. were well, driving around. Think, yeah, honestly, that, led, that, led, that led the UK give us how much money well, and for building roads and infrastructure. I think yeah. some of the erosion of it actually came from the farmers themselves, right? Because they did the farming, they did the hard life, and they wanted to send their children off to something right. better. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. also them wanting better and I guess kind of even seeing how the world was changing or whatever they thought you know okay farming is not what it is you know that's not what I want for my children but then they get stuck with not having succession plans for all of this land and all of these things and then you find especially what's happening with a lot of these old people because their children go off wherever and you know leave and whatnot they have a lot of people come in and um, preying on these older people and aligning mm-hmm. themselves with these older people just to get their land, mm-hmm. you know, um, just kind of working with my parents on the ancestry stuff and whatever. I was getting, you know, hearing stories about, you know, people who've aligned themselves with older people and endeared themselves to older people to to set them up to inherit their land and they end up putting the, pe- the people in homes after yep. they get the power of attorney and whatever mm-hmm. um, sign up. But it's all all of this agricultural land, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Um, yes. Chris, go ahead, Danny. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was saying that's like a huge issue I can imagine in Denry and other rural mm-hmm. places. Yeah. Like a lot of places on like in the village... People have died and they have left no succession plan or some sneak is in the middle of trying to like swindle inherit, their swindle their way into whatever was left there. So what you'll find like there are lots of abandoned buildings mm-hmm. where the people have died and their kids are living their life in the UK or the US and like, like just dilapidated buildings and nobody has um, rights to it other than them but they're not doing anything with it and then if they die then like you know it's just lost land and then somebody can come in there I think we have a 10 year law Mm -hmm. right where you can come in and then if you spend 10 years there the land is yours so they're all kind of like nasty stuff going on yeah, but then so we have we need like a lot of land reform eh? because like I think our land reform is under Napoleonic code and that whole, for example, the whole family land. So mm-hmm. that's that's just like a nightmare. You're itself. talking about when it's family land and it's shares and all of them have exactly, exactly. And like, let's say you have to probate it and then it's basically like divide it equally and so on. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that is, and that's a, the majority of like, well, at least rural families they are facing a situation like that. And mm-hmm. what that causes drama like if there is one conflict the reason of conflict especially in rural areas is rights over land Mm -hmm. yep Yep. (laughs) very true i have a question for you kiffin um how has how has the government assisted i guess with your whole endeavor like have they offered any assistance you know just you know curious Okay, I'm going to use my um, UN training in this. <laughs> Politically correct. Okay. I'm going to be quite diplomatic. Um, you know, well, obviously I'm in the non-governmental uh, sphere. So 
I don't expect uh, necessarily government support. In no, 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 no. Well, so, so, yeah, I wasn't. I didn't mean it like that. No, 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 like, no, 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 no. I know what you mean. The programs in place and stuff like that. That's that's what I. No, I'll be. No, I was just joking. I'll be very blunt. No, we haven't received any support from government. Um, I, I mean, I don't know why. I I don't really i didn't really expect it to be honest okay. i it's definitely a question that comes up every time i speak somewhere and it it's awkward because um, <laughs> you know what i mean like it's like i don't yeah, want yeah. to say I but i want to be honest yeah. at the same time you know yeah <laughs> like so yeah, no. No, no. it wasn't yeah. it wasn't my intention to put you on the spot it was you know just my thinking that um, for such a, I think, such a good initiative, I would think that they would have programs well, and a, stuff. W- one but, thing, Caitlin's a local, she's a young person, she's... She's a know, black woman. She's focusing on a, a sector that needs help and, yeah. you know, development and is, you know, you know, a, a segment that's underserved. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's so many points where you think of, you know, she's helping integrate technology and, and stuff yeah, like or that. Which is or yeah, yeah, but she's saying you saying agriculture, so that's already set enough. You know, it, it's yeah, not but... she's developing, not not developing new hotels. <laughs> like, come on now. <laughs> yeah, but and... that shouldn't be the case because I feel like that's such a good thing going on there. You know, well, I guess giving people these I mean, skills. The, the and... fortunate thing is, Kathleen is skilled where she's skilled and has the background yeah. in the UN to know that there are grants and agencies and you know yeah, other places that's that she willing to help. For. That's yeah. one thing I'm surprised about because I would at least think that some wizened politician would be like, hmm, she works with the UN. If I can give show her some support, then you know, that could yeah. bode well for me in the future. Like you know, like you know how people think. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, like, yeah, like but somebody would be like UN. <laughs> Yeah, but ask yourselves, like, and this is just, like, in general, eh? like, not even picking on political parties, but is that really common in the last 10 years to see parties really take a lot of young people under their arms and, like, mold them and so on? Um, Not unless it's, not unless it's some medial task, no. (laughs) Exactly. In all honesty, I thinking about it and I check in. My question was kind of true because when I heard my father telling me just to get an extension officer to come out to his farm to survey, it's <laughs> like it's no, like no. yeah, it's like he damn near have to kidnap the extension officer and yes. bring him there. So I mean, <laughs> don't don't let let's not even bring the extension. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> let's, let's not. No, I, I I get I I feel bad I because it's like. I know there's not that many extension officers and it's like a few of them to hundreds of farmers. So it's like, I get that part, but at the same time, that's just one of the problems. Like in some countries like Taiwan and so on, the whole extension agency is like, um, like sort of like a statutory agency, like in a way, like a slasper. So it's like, it's public private. Right. So, you know, if there's that private sector um, backing and so on, people would actually do their job because it's like, all right, if I don't do this, I won't get paid. You know what I mean? Like there's some type of impetus to do your job. But with public service, 
is like oh, I'll, I'm going to get paid regardless. So I can yeah. see one farmer for the week. I could see ten. Either way, yeah. I get my money. At yeah, the but end. I, I really need reform in our public service as well because oh, like, yeah. there's so many jobs where you know, like like people just don't care because they get a salary and you know they don't going to kill themselves for you, whatever, whatever. Like imagine my granddad passed and he still has not been able to get his land officially on his name. That's like crazy. and and it's a governmental agency that was in charge of that, and they have been disbanded. They have been rebranded since, and it's it's still a problem. Like you still need a lawyer, you need this, you need that. Like it's just it's just a mess. Let me tell you, when my father's extension officer, my father tell me he used to make it his business to go to everybody farm, eh? mm-hmm. because he said the one thing that used to happen, he go to the farm and the farmer tell him, "Oh, come, let's eat some lunch." <laughs> you know, you <laughs> tell me up in the heights. My grandfather's telling me, like, for example, um, Primus Hutchinson, he was an extension officer, and he's like, oh, yeah, I know your grandfather, your grandmother used to feed us, and so <laughs> I'm just, like, asking my grandfather, like, okay, so what's up with that, like, you all used to be having weekly, like, large gatherings, basically, my grandfather's, like, at one point, five extension officers, even some teachers from the school, like, would come, or let's say a Wednesday, my grandmother make a huge pot of bouillon, everybody eating it, and taking wow. to go home. My father stopped being an extension officer and became the director of agriculture, and he still used to go on people's farms. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the thing. Like, that's what we need. Jobs like that, like, you need community relations. Like, people mm-hmm. need to know who the extension officer is, like the name of that. Just like a social transformation officer, your mm-hmm. job is to be known in the community, not to be at a desk. You understand? Exactly. Yeah. And that's not the case in St. Lucia. Mm. Very well, true. I think, uh, you know, there's so many gaps, right? I think even just from the, the okay, you know, like we said, there was the, familial break from agriculture right mm-hmm. where families you know drifted away um you know people lost their connection to farms and and all of that and even if that's the case and we live in a more urbanized you know kind of <laughs> setting these days um there's still no experience there's still not as much exposure to agriculture even in the schools, right? It's only certain schools that have um, exposure to it or or anything like that at all, right? So you can Mm -hmm. go your whole life now and not even have to pick up soil, you know? Mm -hmm. Your hands don't have to touch soil, (laughs) right? No, it's it's like how... It's a a complete reshaping, right? And I think for me, the, you know, the fact that I liked Caribbean history and, you know, it, it keeps coming back to me that we do not have a St. Lucian history course where you learn about the, the country and the progress, you know, individually. And even, you know, have kids do projects in school about, um, you know, tracing their roots and stuff I like that. And it. not forgetting where we came from. So, I, I have a question. Because you said... But you that education about, thing, yeah. right? Because, sorry, yeah, Vernon's father um, also teaches yeah. at, um, at the community college. And a lot mm-hmm. of the kids who end up in his class, in the agricultural class, is mm-hmm. because didn't get to make it to any other school exactly 
they didn't choose to do agriculture. It was just mm-hmm. that was the last resort, last option. So his father, who has a strong passion for agriculture and all of that, is frustrated a lot of the times when he has to teach because he sees he's not getting through to people because obviously they don't really want to be there. Care. Yeah. And I mean, there's so much in agriculture besides farming because even the, the kids mm-hmm. who go to science class, right? father is a scientist, That's right? That's what I'm saying. The um, mixing fertilizer, irrigation The system. nutrients, the pH values, all of, exactly. all of that is science, it's, right? It's so. crazy how, because I was having a conversation with my granddad who's like 90 years old and I was like, I just randomly asked him, so how, because he was talking about um, like basically like slope agriculture so you know how like the incas would have like those beds on yeah so he had one and i was like if you saw the mountain i was like that was how did you end up doing that so then he was like oh i actually learned this at school and i was taken aback i was like i thought mm. you learned that from your grandfather he said no at school they would give you lessons and they would actually also take you out to the field to do practicals my grandfather was born in 1931. Mm. So you mean to tell me, St. Lucia, it's like our agricultural education was more advanced in the 50s and the 40s than it is in the... Well, that is exactly what I was coming and talk about because I was going to ask you, I'm sure when you went to St. Joseph Convent, you didn't have anything about agriculture. I have never it. taken an agricultural class until now, and that's on the it's side lady like, in agriculture. Like we had, lady agri- like we had agri, and all the lady did was come to the class and teach right on the board. We never oh, really? actually went out in a field. Nah, we went down once, once, one time, one time. Exactly. And, and I was looking forward to agriculture, you know. But there's, there are schools that have it. Like I know, I think Compre like they have agriculture and stuff. But that's one of the things that we want to do. Is like 2021. God knock on wood if we get that grant funding. <laughs> um, we want to do like a school club at SJC where we like get the girls to actually like yes. to have like a garden and then to sell like their their fruits and vegetables, whatever, to their canteen. So maybe they get a discount on their food or something like that because I feel like that is a huge missed opportunity for sustainable development Mm -hmm. within the schools. If every school has an agricultural class that has a garden that they end up Mm -hmm. using the produce Mm -hmm. from that in the canteen, it creates a whole self-sufficient ecosystem within the schools and exposes the kids to, you know, grow what you eat, Oh, wait, did I say that right? Exactly. Eat, eat what you do. Very true. <laughs> very, very, very true. That, like, that should be like primary school. It should be agriculture yeah. all throughout school. I'm telling you. Like, like agriculture should be like math. Like ours. <laughs> like it, it should be. Agriculture like, should be math. Yeah. No, no lie. It yeah. should be. Because then yeah. you have a lot of great minds like like, okay, think about it. There's a lot of people that go through the school system, like even like me, and you're wondering like, what do I do? What am I good at? And I'm like, now at my age, I'm like, okay, I actually have a love for it. Doing like the whole hydroponics course and stuff. And I'm seeing, like, I never enjoyed, like never enjoyed sciences. And I'm looking at certain things. I'm like, yo, this is science. 
and I actually like it. And I noticed like it's something practical that maybe it's the sort of I, I'm seeing something grow or the fact that I can eat. I don't know what it is, but I'm like, what would, what would have been my career path then if I had actually been an, introduced to agriculture at an earlier age? Yeah. Instead of just seeing my grandparents like work super hard and not being interested in it at all. You know what I mean? But here's my thing. Also, it teaches people, you know, the value of things. Because at the end of the day, you know, you can grow something and feed yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, this you is what I was going to say <laughs> that I just remembered. Um, my grandfather um, worked, let's say, let's call it, he was a, a, a prison warden let's call it right okay, okay. but you'll hear that and you'll say what the hell he must have real been a real hard ass walking through a jail and whatnot that's not what he did he because he was a farmer and you know did whatever in the war and all of that um he was working for the prisons but what he was doing is he was bringing the prisoners out to farms in moshi and wherever and mm-hmm. having the prisoners work on land and and um, you know, produce food. Okay. So it was in different parts of the country and whatever. He was bringing prisoners, and and even that's how he met my grandmother. My grandmother was working on one of the Did farms. And... Prisoner? Oh. <laughs> 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 prisoner of love. <laughs> no, but um, they they had the land. You know, let's say a community in Moshi, they had the land and they'd bring the prisoners out there. But they also had women, rural women, Kathleen, you know, from the community also yeah, helping okay. process mm-hmm. and package the things that the prisoners were reaping, harvesting, whatever. Um, so even there, I'm not sure what is then, you know, at Bodley or how much is then at Bodley. But it seems even that back then it was done on a much larger scale because there were mm-hmm. multiple farms yeah. he had them go into. Um, and I don't think he was the only one. And that's actually rehabilitation. You know what I mean? Because yeah, a, it gives them a skill Yeah, you know, you can leave. Okay, people... I mean, people in St. Lucia, we already know if it's bad in the States, far less for getting out of prison in St. Lucia, it's tough to get a job if you have a record and so on. So at least you have that skill. And let's say if you have farmland, but then too, my problem is that in St. Lucia, like the same issue of land, there was some government projects where even from Sir John's time, where there was like land banks and stuff like that, which before there were like, for example, um, you all know the Orchid Center in um, just before going to the cinemas. That place was basically like a land bank. Like I knew like grand aunts and uncles who would go there they have their little plot or whatever, grow stuff and take it to the market to sell and stuff like that. Okay. Like, uh, no, like hundreds of farmers used to do that. And we don't have that now. We, I heard there was some type of land bank, but apparently nobody can use that land bank. I don't know why. I will not even try to wonder why. Um, no. But it's like, that's the problem too. We have a bunch of land, crown land, government land sitting there. Yep. Yeah. Doing nothing. I'm just waiting for the next big hotel. Meanwhile, our food bill mm. just keep My... going up and up and up. Yeah, and watch the parody. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, don't tell me about the parody. I Lord. just passed that place oh, not too long ago, God. and I wanted to die. 
let, let me <laughs> let me tell you how they sold a parody to the people of Denry and Miku. And like, yeah, it's gonna be so amazing. Like, you know, when this hotel is there, these people are going to come in your communities and you're they're going to put the dollar in your communities and you're going to be able to come and work there. Look at La Parody now. The, the only people that are working at La Parody is Fodilus and Book Constricted. That's the only people that are working you. at La Parody. Thank you. And they're working hard I hear. Extra hard. Extra hard. Extra hard. They 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 more prison guard than Anushka. I hear as soon as you come to the fence, you just hear so, hello. So, back up. But um, like I like I don't know if I'm too progressive, but like I'm literally thinking like if somebody wants to come and build a hotel, like tell them, hey, I don't need any more hotels, but I have a place that is dilapidated. It was going to be a hotel, but you can't get that piece of land because that it was already designated for that. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you giving somebody a whole new set of land to build a whole new hotel? Daddy, like, just a parody. <laughs> You're not progressive, boy. You 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 logical. That's exactly. what it is. What you saying is not. What you saying is nothing crazy or far fetched. It's very logical. Well, what you're saying. Lucia, Vernon, that's what they like us to think that we are. You know, we're we're over the edge I when we think what we Yeah. Once you see you start applying logic for them in Saint Lucia, you you outer bounds. You 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 outer order. You you crazy. What mm-hmm. you saying is out of this world. It's not. Yeah. I, let me say, I'm not saying tourism cannot exist in St. Lucia, but it should not exist as a detriment of well, everything and else. And I think tourism yeah. and agriculture can exist exactly. in a balance. What I was going to say is we should be focusing on sustainable tourism, right? Yes. Yes. So okay. I think yes. why, besides, besides just for for farmers providing produce to the hotels, there should be even more... Um, like agricultural tours and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, bring in, bring in tourists. And, and it doesn't have to be a luxury thing, you know? Just connect them to the humble farmer, have them walk through, have them, you know, see what you do, bring them to a house and let cook me, them listen, a booyah listen, with, you know? Listen, let me tell you, the same way they just want to go on wine tours in the US, mm-hmm. go to vineyards and walk mm-hmm. around and drink the wine and and stamp yeah, on the exactly. Bring them on a farm. Make them cut some bananas. Yeah, and I mean, they're, they're in the US. You go apple picking, you do all of that. Yeah, in the US, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. Even fun. Agrotourism. Like, yes. Well, and you see, not, and, and Keith, when you say the apple picking thing, the apple picking thing isn't for tourists, it's also for locals, right? It's not yeah. a whole yeah. tradition that in the fall we go apple picking, in the summer mm-hmm. we go strawberry picking, and you know, mm-hmm. whatever. What's crazy though is that you see I that want to go I want to go plum picking in May. Okay. I miss that. I miss right. that. You're right? like, you want to pick Like people going over to Bali and all these countries and they pay like a hundred US just to do these things. But like, listen, the, that model is there, you know, but it's only open to certain people. Like for example, yeah. Hotel Chocola. They have like something similar. It doesn't have to be luxury. And then there are other, but, there's some other plantations or estates, sorry, in Kobaril. 
um, a few yes, of them, I right? Think but so. what they do is so simple. It's it's and a lot of it is concentrated around the cocoa pod, right? Yeah. Not around, yeah. So that's the thing is that, that um, there's some farmers who try that, but it's like there's a lot of roadblocks, is what I'm trying to say. You okay. know, especially now, like with the new legislation on registering for almost everything. Um, Charcoal. Like there's, I've seen some farmers who have tried to like do that more. Even for example, um, you know the sky rides up in yeah. Babono, right? Yeah. Yes. So that practice my house, like the buses and stuff like that. So there was a few people who have reached out to them to say like, okay, you know, like how about you do like some stopovers on farms? You can, you know, have lunch, you can do something or whatever, and then go to sky rides. And that's how it's mm-hmm. no. And so it's like not happening. So you right. just so you literally just see big coasters go up, boom, mm-hmm. and then like go straight through. Like the people in the 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 village are like some type of pariah or something. You know what I mean? Wow. Now is there is that something that is an issue with like legislation on the government end, or is it something that's an issue with the private business or private tour guide end? Like if somebody were to come in as another tour company and be like, hey, we're just going to focus on agricultural tours, like they would not have that kind of resistance. I think it's both because the thing is that, for example, like a lot of times it's an an agreement between the hotels and Skyrides. So in that thing, some hotels are like, no, we don't. We don't want this whole stopover. Or if you are doing it, you need to be registered to a certain tour company. Like uh, you know what I mean. The activity needs okay. to be there. Like there's one place. Um. Uh. Yes, Skyrides. Uh, how am I getting them now? But anyway, it's like it. They do like they'll show them how to do farine and whatever during June mm-hmm. or have events. But it's like off and on. They have yeah. not not commonly. Not frequent. Not frequent yeah. at all. And um, I, I just... I remember think... that used to be a big thing. Like, like right? um, I on several times, like when we were younger, we went on school tours and we would stop mm-hmm. in these places and mm-hmm. see plants, make farine, make cassava. Yeah, but it's like, like now the whole village tourism is like, you don't see it anymore. You see like the places, they just bring them. Okay, you go in Sulphur Spring. You go in botanical gardens, you go in boom, 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 like the main known places. That's where we're going because I guess the mindset is all oh, the security of the tourists or whatever it is. And it's like, I mean, yes, there is crime in St. Lucia, but we're pretty safe. You know what I mean? And if someone yeah, for the like, most part in the the rural areas is like, you know, like if, yes, if they were really worried about crime, areas. like. The people yeah, would beat the robbers for them, if anything. Exactly. Just... You're more likely, <laughs> you're more likely to get robbed in cashews already. Yeah, Rodney Bay or Just going to put that out there. No, uh, and they make it seem true. like, you know, going to a farm is so such a taxing thing, like, you know, but I mean, I, I, I think eventually, like, um, initiatives like yours will kind of help change the mindset. Because more and more young people are asking these questions. Like, why aren't we doing this anymore? And it will just come full circle. Well, like, where agriculture will be big like it was in the 1900s. Well, they kind of get enforced to at this point mm-hmm. because you have this COVID hitting St. Lucia mm-hmm. and 
the tourism industry taking the dive that it has taken, people are looking for alternative ways to make money. And I'm hoping that people wise up and see that there is a you can make money in agriculture. Mm-hmm. People need to buy food. People need to eat at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, I think I the agro right processing is. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and even like money selling plantain chips if you want it. People listen. You Why can make money. Listen, sure. you can make money. Like for example, I've seen people. Um, you can do like you have your little farm, right? You're not even trying to make a food. You're trying to make a face mask. Okay, okay. Or, or like you know, like a body scrub or something. You these are things that you can do, like the whole spa thing and whatever. I remember up at um in the rainforest, there was a certain flower that they uh, a rare flower, and you know what's crazy when skyrides took over. Um, Chanel actually, that flower was one of the ingredients in Chanel number no. five. So they wow. actually exported to Chanel, like to to the Chanel headquarters and whatever. I don't think anymore, but like these are things that you know what I mean. You can mm. look into, like in South Korea, yeah. for example, where the beauty thing is huge. I know there's like one beauty company called Mamod, and they use quite a lot of like petals, flowers, and so on, okay. to the point that they created like their own plantation, like of flowers, hibiscus, whatever, blah blah blah, and they're processing the plants into their products. So, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's, like, it's not a traditional hard labor, blah, blah, blah. You could literally have a herb garden, mm-hmm. start making... And essential oils. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All essential of oils is a big market. products. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's I, I, so I, much... I mean, even has another one we've taken taken for granted, but you also, they were exporting it, uh, was it last year? Seamoss, right? Yes. yes. I don't even wow. and to be honest with you, I don't believe like three quarters of, of what these CMOS where they're coming from is questionable. Right. Yeah, because social media catch hold of the CMOS boy now. People in the US talking about CMOS yeah. and everything. Yeah. I see wash gel, wash gummies. Like what? I'm trying to see how we can substitute sargassum into that because there's there's so much of it around. Like it's in abundance right now. Uh, Johanna is the only person right now that has figured out how yeah. to use sargassum. I, I I I see my dad researching stuff, so I know you could come up with something like you know, like feed animals. Or well, sargassum, to be honest, like. It's, I mean, it's a good, like, good for the land, land preparation and yep. stuff like that. Like, that's what I've, honestly, that's really one of the only things I've seen. Yeah, like, my said. yeah, because I know some women that they actually like take the the seaweed and they um they do they don't even use the fertilizer; they just put it on their yeah. land, prepare the land, and so on mm-hmm. for a couple of days, take it off, blah blah blah. Yeah. Wow, nice. Yeah. Kiflin, we could That's stay good. here with you oh, for hours. <laughs> I know, um, right? That's why, you know, you were one of the, when I've always been thinking about guests in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, I need to get Kiflin on it. Oh, I need to get Kiflin on mm-hmm. him. But we have so much we could talk about, but I'm sure this is just the first time you're coming on this podcast. I'm sure we'll bring you back. Um, but just kind of as we wrap up, 
Um, what can we expect to see for Helen's daughters, you know, in the near future, coming year, provide, you know, knock on wood with COVID? What's your, what's your short term and long term? You're fine. Well, and then, you know, can people find you and yeah. follow you, help, help, you know, do yeah. you have, you know, do you take donations or I don't know how how you guys work Yes, we do. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, to talk about like the plans and stuff like that, like I mentioned, the whole food club thing—that's something that we're trying to do in like um primary schools and secondary schools coming twenty twenty one. And what we're trying to do too is expand a bit more um from not only like women in farming but um, mentorship and sort of like support for rural women in general. Um, there's a lot of like social ills that plague um, women in, you know, like rural communities. There's not much guidance and so on, or sometimes very strong parental figures. So we're trying to um, draw up like some flagship programs targeting like younger women in those communities as well. Um, on like the women's side, the farmers' side, and so on, we're trying to do a social enterprise. So, like we said, the whole home delivery thing, we're trying to boost that up to a point where we can have like a processing plant and we can try to do like deliveries island wide and blah, blah blah. So that's going to take some time, but fingers crossed, it works out. And people can reach us on Instagram at helensdaughters.slow on Facebook, same thing. Um, if you have any questions or comments, you can email us info at helensdaughters.org. And on all those pages, you'll see like our donation um, links oh, and our website, www.helensdaughters.org as well. And I can't thank you guys enough for having me on. It's, I think it was long because I haven't spoken to you guys in so long. So it felt like catching up too, which was really <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Likewise. Well, as I said, Kiflin, I'm sure, you know, this is just the first time you're going to join us on the podcast. And I only see great things for, for what you're doing. And we're really proud, yeah. um, you know, seeing the, the progress you've been Agriculture in Salem need a lot of a lot more people like you, eh? Yeah. That's for <laughs> sure. Especially especially the women. So mm-hmm. keep doing what you're doing. Keep up the good work. Yeah. Thank you. And keep up the good work, guys. I mean, when you did the podcast, I was really happy. I was like, damn, that's a good idea. I wish I thought of that. <laughs> but we really we really needed that. Like I think you guys definitely give like a voice to the voiceless. And I think like it's honestly like a fearlessness about the three of you two as well that we need in St. Lucia because the people that do talk it's always like politically aligned and it's kind of refreshing yeah. to just have a, a medium Neutral. that's just balanced you know what I mean yeah. so thank you for that and keep up the fantastic work guys well guys it's Aww, been another thank episode you. <laughs> while Adan is being all emotional sentimental it's been another episode of the Caribbean Millennial wow